Welcome to this episode of Virtual Coffee, with dialogues about the future of health, including innovation, the new era of digital first, physical next, and reflections from outside of healthcare. Brief conversations, as if it were in a barista cafe, always realistic, but with a positive outlook. There are enough pessimistic channels out there already. I'm your host. My name is Lucien Engelen, 40 years of healthcare experience in ambulance services, dispatch centers, University Medical Center, and Singularity University, all mainly on the innovation intersection of technology and patient empowerment. Started during the COVID pandemic, checking in with friends, colleagues, and experts about topics that matter to them and to me. Distributed through LinkedIn Live, YouTube, and Facebook with video, and through Spotify, Apple Podcast, and other audio platforms, or via my website www.transform.health So welcome, welcome to this virtual coffee um, on this Friday afternoon, at least in the Netherlands, where I try to reach out to friends, family, but also experts across the world about the things that matter to them and to me, of course. And I'm very proud and very lucky also to, uh, to see my big friend, Daniel Croft, who is joining me from the West Coast in, uh, in the United States. Uh, Daniel, good morning with your great cup of coffee. Unfortunately, I already got my cup of water right now. How are you doing? It's a virtual coffee, but I have a real one. You got a real one, yes. Yeah, that's the benefit of you getting just up in the early in the morning, of course. Uh, how are you doing? How is this uh, how is it, uh, for you in the very interesting times that we see uh, that are very yeah. impressing? How different the world is since we last saw each other in real life just four months ago. Um, I've never been busier, actually. I haven't left the house much in the last month, but yeah. I mean, there's so much happening. And through our sort of connected communities and exponential medicine and beyond, there's lots of opportunity to connect dots and hopefully help address this pandemic and prevent future ones. Yeah, yeah well, so... I, for one, I'm, I'm in my man cave over here for the last six weeks. Uh, returned from Italy at first and had some flu. And uh, I think it still was it just regular flu and started with self-distancing for the first two weeks. And now it's already six weeks. And indeed, just like you said, how the world has changed since. Uh, what I think is very interesting, and that's also one of the connections that you and I have when we met first at for TEDx Maastricht that I organized and Juri van Geest was so kind enough to connect the two of us and you were one of my big speakers uh, over there since things changed and not on a linear way but exponential and that's also something that we see right now in this corona era could you explain a bit uh, and elaborate on the difference between linear um, uh, developments and, and exponential ones to our audience over there Sure. I don't think uh, either of us have heard the word exponential used as many times as in the last uh, couple of months. So the idea of, you know, our brains are wired linearly. We kind of get linear thinking, 30 linear steps will be across the house, uh, one, two, three, four, five, but exponential is doubling, one, two, four, eight, 16, 32, 64, 128. Then the math gets interesting. And um, as you keep doubling, 15 steps is about 32,000, but by the 30th step, you're at a billion. That would be if that was a meter step 26 times around the planet and it gets surprising you know the first 10 steps aren't very exciting you oh there's one case there's two cases there's four 
but a few more doublings. That's what we always think about the doubling time or the transmission, how many folks are getting infected and how rapidly is that doubling in COVID so shows that exponential growth. And that's why it's been so important to um, shelter in place and, re- and, and flatten that curve uh, because it is an exponential pattern and, and things get big very, very fast. Is that also the reason in terms of different kind of thinking that some of the governments have approached as in, well, maybe it's tomorrow a bit different than today and the day after a bit more different than, than, than it was today and kind of caught by surprise that it was doubling so fast. Is it hard for people to understand how that exponential developments are maybe not hardwired in our brain to, to, to try to figure out what is going to happen next in the next couple of days? I mean, it's, it's one thing to sort of uh, think about uh, and try and imagine exponentials. It's another thing to experience it. And when we look at those graphs, oh, yeah. uh, many of them are, are sadly exponential. And it is, it takes people by surprise. It's not, it's easy to grasp. Oh, there's one cases, 10 cases, okay, 20, 40, 80. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, uh, a week or two later, you're in the millions. And, you know, we live in this exponential world. We've talked a lot about this. I have my my favorite antique uh, iPhone 2 still sitting next it's to me. The two. As a reminder. Right. Uh, you know. 10 years ago, this was amazing. And you know, now it feels antique. My iPhone 10 or 11 will feel antique in 10 years. Hopefully we'll still, be, we'll still have a technology. Um, and it's that you know, a, amazing sort of Moore's law on steroids that we see in our, our mobile technologies that's reshaped healthcare, digital health connected. The ability for us to now talk virtually across the planet is all riding exponential technologies. Um, and so we need to grasp that for our ability to also respond to this pandemic, uh, but also uh, understand that in the setting of of disease and public health. What was the moment for you when you saw happening or thought like, oh gosh, this is indeed exploding in an exponential fashion? What was the, the moment in time or the event that you've seen happening or the article that you've seen or maybe even the, the, the news item that came across where you thought, oh gosh, this is going into the real stuff? <laughs> not to get to political, but sadly it was when our, our uh, unfortunate president said, oh, it's going to disappear like magic. And there are, there's only 10 cases and you'll see it'll be, I'll be magically gone by, by April. And I thought, oh boy, he really doesn't get this. And uh, you could see what was happening in, in hot spots around the world. And knowing that we were just maybe two weeks behind that here in the United States, certainly in Europe, you've had different trajectories in different countries. Uh, it sort of caught a lot of folks flat-footed who were not epidemiologists, you don't need to be a public health or an expert or a mathematician to sort of get this. And I think one of the things that's going to come out of this in a positive way is we realize we're all interconnected. We live in this global connected world where you can be anywhere across the planet within 24 hours. And that means uh, the diseases of today and the future can spread like wildfire. And hopefully we'll use some of the other exponential technologies to yeah. pick them up earlier and respond and, uh, and collaborate in new ways, just like we're seeing amongst our friends and community to help address this. There's, there's a huge amount of collaboration and I'm also looking into the, the questions that people pose on, on LinkedIn. And I think this is a very interesting one where um, uh, uh, Donald Martin asks, can this, which has separated the world, bring us actually in the end of the day closer together? And I would like to add to that with help of technology. What is the technology other than video conferencing or remote monitoring that in this era around the, the COVID crisis pandemic, uh, has brought people together, maybe from a physician standpoint of view. Are there tools that you see now being utilized that like six weeks ago, for instance, when we talked lastly, also through video, weren't 
really been used and now all of a sudden are kicking in like the new quote unquote normal? Well, I think just before, I mean, philosophically, we're almost in this sort of, uh, you know, Apollo 8 moment. We can look back at the earth for the first time. We see that it's not divided by by barriers where not uh, the disease doesn't determine if you're right wing or left wing or Republican yep. or Democrat or Dutch or American or Chinese. So I think there's this idea now that we're uh, a little more all in one fight. I don't think the world's ever been as united against one uh, foe ever. And uh, so that's sort of one, I think, sort of sea change. And maybe that will translate to uh, addressing uh, our climate crisis as well, which we're all in the same boat, same planet, same planet Earth. Um, I think in terms of things that have shifted dramatically uh, over the last few months, uh, clearly we're all getting used to, to video conferencing. I think uh, it may have interesting implications of how we communicate, how we connect in the in the future. We're getting so used to it, it, it may really impact how much we travel. You and I travel a lot normally. I think it's going to, uh, one of the other sea changes is uh, the fact that uh, in this super connected world, we can do things in collaborative ways. Never have I been on Zoom calls with 30, 100 people yesterday <laughs> and quickly um, built solutions that are impactful. Um, uh, so I think one of the, the big sea changes also in science is how we can now transmit the sequence from China to a pharmaceutical or vaccine company here that within hours produced the first uh, pilot vaccines that are in cl clinical trials today. So the speed and rapidity, and of course, in our world of healthcare, the era of telehealth, virtual health, digital health is sort of uh, going from a nice idea that hadn't really become adopted to something that becomes the absolute necessity. But most folks don't want to go to the clinic for a more minor issue. No. And so telemedicine as a platform and the potential ability to use our, our wearables, our Fitbits and Apple Watches to pick up when you might have the flu or COVID based on your digital signals are all going to start to connect and hopefully positively impact the world after we're done with the crisis. Well, let's talk a bit also about data. Uh, we just mentioned graphs, like graphs in terms of linear and exponential uh, things like that. We've never seen so many graphs as we've seen in the last six, seven weeks in terms of explaining how things are working. From that data analytics part of it, is this also where the, let's say the tipping point in healthcare of big data and uh, being feeded to uh, artificial intelligent machine learning aspects really kick in on a global level? Is that also some of the things that, that you see happening as we speak? Yeah, I mean, just because you have new data, I mean, we, our, our data amounts have gone up exponentially, you know, from genomics to our digital exhaust to our driving information. Uh, the challenge has been, my one of my favorite graphs is showing all the exponential data, but it still takes a while to translate that to knowledge and then a while to get that close the gap to becoming clinical utility that each of us can use as physicians, as patients, as public health folks, as government officials. So there's a big gap between data and useful actual information. What's interesting and encouraging partly about what's happening around COVID is we're seeing so much sharing of what's worked in the ICU in Italy or in Seattle or in Wuhan now being used at Mass General or in NYU and, and sort of speeding up going from data to actionable information and, and some more of the interoperability being relaxed. Here in the United States, we have something called HIPAA. You know, I think it started in 1998 as a well-meaning law for, for privacy protections, but also data portability, which has frankly hindered a lot of data flow now some of those rules have changed to be relaxed so we can do televisit calls without uh, breaking the, the law here. We're seeing companies collaborate on data. I'm involved with uh, the XPRIZE Pandemic Alliance. There's now a data collaborative where folks can donate their data. And hopefully when we have different forums, we can mine that to 
be able to pick up disease early or really what drugs are working and, and then share that information more quickly globally. I always like to sort of summarize the data piece. It's like 15 years ago, we we're all driving with paper maps and mm-hmm. uh, now we couldn't imagine driving without Waze or Google Maps. We're all crowdsourcing our driving data, our speed and location that builds the map around us. And I think part of the future of both our response to COVID and our healthcare in general will be to build sort of uh, our own Waze's for health where we can see our information, where we are specifically in context with everybody around us. And we're all contributing to that map for public health, for preventing disease, for managing acute and chronic illnesses uh, and beyond. It's, it's well, yeah, indeed, it's, it's the full breadth of it. And one of the questions that Margarita asked uh, is that, is this also the moment in time when more and more open source will kick in? Do you expect that this is something to happen? Not only, for instance, on the, on the data aspect, because that's one of the things that I see right now is that in many, many researches that are being done as we speak with all those symptom trackers and stuff like that are being published open source for others to jump on and to embark also for their own research. But is that also something that you would see more broader, that also this open source community would be more engaged uh, than ever before, for instance? Yeah, open source, the hacker community, whether you're 3D printing ventilator parts or building an app is exploded. Um, I'm involved in a project where we're building an op- open source project to build a bit of that ways for COVID that I described. Yeah. So it can be, uh, you know, you know where you are, what the information is around you, where to get triage. And we have 2000 volunteers, some amazing technologies have come into this platform on an open source on GitHub and are building that out and hopefully we'll launch within the week, an incredible opportunity to collaborate and bring people together and then share what you're learning so we're not reinventing the wheel. Uh, Because a lot of, I think, the challenges of this pandemic, and this is not the first pandemic, there'll be more. Uh, My friend Larry Brilliant, a famous epidemiologist, likes to almost say this is a practice pandemic in some forms. It has, it's bad, it's dangerous, it kills people, but some other diseases, SARS, et cetera, 50% are, are close to that mortality rate. So this gives us an opportunity to really build that open source pandemic prevention, detection, and response engine for the whole planet. Well, so let me wrap up a bit with questions that I asked almost everyone. What is the one most interesting thing and the good side of it that you've seen up until now in this whole COVID area? And what is the most adverse one that you've seen right now? Did you share those with me? I mean, um, I mean, one of the encouraging things, I think, as a, as a physician uh, and someone involved in healthcare is how much folks are supporting or trying to support our, our, our healthcare workers, particularly on the front line, whether it's, you know, open source like projects like Get Us PPE, hashtag, you know, to catalyze people making, developing, sharing and getting protective equipment to our front line, how the medical world has really uh, responded bravely to innovate how we do protocols from triage to intubation uh, protocols and, and sharing that uh, quickly and which I think will provide the fundamental basis for future, faster, smarter, and more intelligent collaborations going downstream. So that's been encouraging. Um, I think the the most, I guess, disappointing elements are still that we realize we live in a, in some cases, still a quite a divided world. There's this idea, not of just of a pandemic, but an if infodemic, information-demic, where folks are still denying and causing this, ca- causing even early on, and still today, a hoax, or spreading false information actively. Um, for political or other reasons. And so it's a bit disappointing that in, in some cases, we're not all rowing together on the same team and uh, whether it's politicians for their own reasons or others who have uh, hidden agendas, we're, we're not always uh, on the same team. And this is the one opportunity where we can make this our sort of finest hour uh, and rise above the traditional divisions. I think that's a perfect wrap up for this virtual coffee, Daniel. 
Thank you very much. Thank you for getting up early. Thank you for offering me this virtual coffee with you. Looking very much forward to see you not only in real life, but also take on the next steps into this exponential medicine and, and everything that goes with it. Stay safe for you also, your family and kids. Thank you again, Thanks, my friend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers.